The following is a co-production of Belmont Council on Aging and the Belmont Media Center. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Talking News, stories from the Belmont Citizen Herald, read by volunteers from the Beach Street Center. This week, our readers are Max, Thomas, and Claire, reporting on news and events in Belmont. And now on with the show, and I turn you over to Max. Thank you, Bob. Belmont Historical Society's Passport Program gets residents out of the house exploring this historical town by Nika Lassiter. Even Lori Carlson, the, the Secretary of the Historical Society and a third generation Belmontian discovered something new about her town from the Belmont Passport Program. Stop 26 of the newly published passport, a granite boundary stone marking, uh, marking the line between Belmont and Cambridge was the one site that stumped Carlson, retired elementary school teacher who spent 37 years teaching her students at Wellington Elementary about the town. There's just so much history that people don't realize, Carlson said. Everybody knows about Concord and Lexington, the famous Massachusetts war history. Who would have thought we would have come from a little community of farmers and have all these amazing historical things happen? It's not as boring as people think. When their typical programming normally put on from September to May was canceled, Victoria Hayes, president of the Historical Society, had to get creative to engage the community. The result was the passport. Conceived as a way to engage residents, members of the society and non-members alike during a pandemic that keeps people stuck at home. As the library, the society's headquarters, and the town hall are closed to the public, Hayes brainstormed how to connect people with the history while abiding by health regulations. This booklet, one of a series of passports, is titled Monuments, Markers, and Memorials, and features 28 stops throughout the town people can visit at their leisure without the assistance of a tour guide. I don't always get a lot of feedback, but this has been the opposite, Hayes said. People have really enjoyed it because we aren't able to gather in a group. It allows them to do something on their own or with family just to get out a little bit, but still stay connected. Hayes believes everyone can learn from the passport, whether newcomers or part of a family that has inhabited the town for generations. And now over to Thomas. Thank you, Max. MBCC's first annual Bike for Prevention, a Bikeathon. This spring, Massachusetts Breast Cancer Coalition, MBCC, will be hosting its inaugural Bike for Prevention Bikeathon fundraising event. This virtual event will take place from April 19th to April 25th, 2021. Bike for Prevention participants may choose to ride a mile or more on either their favorite outdoor route or indoors on their stationary bike. The virtual event will also include an option for families to ride together. Those who do not have a bike are invited to participate on foot by walking or running a distance of their own choosing. Participants may register as an individual or as a family and complete their miles during a week-long event window. Registration is $40 per person and families can register for $150 for up to five family members. There is a special student rate of $25. All registered participants will receive a free event t-shirt. Participants are encouraged to fundraise beyond the registration fees 
as all proceeds support MBCC's <coughs> unique mission of breast cancer prevention. Prizes will be awarded to the top fundraisers. Please visit http colon slash slash www.mbcc.org forward slash bike or call 617-376-2222 for more information and to register. And now to Claire. Thank you, Thomas. Belmont site eyed for a 40B apartment complex by Joanna K. Juvelis. A developer seeking to build a 40B housing complex at Beatrice Circle in Belmont has filed a comprehensive permit application with the Zoning Board of Appeals. The next step will be for a public hearing to be held early in the new year. The developer purchased the single family home located on a 23,000 square foot lot at 91 Beatrice Circle for $1.4 million in November 2019. The original proposal sent to Mass Housing in June was for three 16 and four bedroom townhouses with four of the units designated affordable. However, in August, they amended the proposal to be for 12 four bedroom units with three affordable. In response to concerns from abutters, as well as the Belmont Fire Department, the select board asked Mast Housing to decline issuing a site eligibility letter for the project, citing excessive density, massing and height, lack of usable open space and lack of access for emergency services. However, Mass Housing approved the project for site eligibility in a letter on November 3rd, listing the issues the developer will need to address in its application to the zoning board and explore more fully the public hearing process. Among other issues, the developer asks, is asked to respond to concerns regarding potential traffic on roads and intersections and to respond to reasonable requests for mitigation to verify the site plan is fully compliant with standards regarding emergency access and provisions for fire suppression. To be prepared to discuss concerns regarding the proposed size, scale, and architectural style and pedestrian access of the proposed multifamily buildings and to comply with all state and federal environmental laws and regulations related to building construction stormwater management, wastewater collection and treatment and hazardous waste safety. The project will consist of one eight unit row house style townhouse building with four total stories, one garage per, per residential story with three full residential stories above and four two story single family home units with garage parking. The development will have 20 parking spaces. The letter from the developer's attorneys, Jesse D. Scomer and Theodore Regnanti, Regnanti Stereo LLP of Wakefield states, the project as proposed by the applicant will be an attractive, well-designed, affordable housing development that will address a longstanding and serious shortage of such rental housing in the town of Belmont. The site design and existing conditions afford ample area to accommodate the proposed 
project and provide adequate open space. Moreover, the project has been designed to minimize and mitigate potential impacts to municipal systems and services. The applicant respectfully submits that the project will meet a severe regional and local need for affordable housing while also addressing the health, safety, and environmental concerns of Belmont residents. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Teens, substance misuse, and the ongoing pandemic, an opinion by Franklin B. Tucker. When my daughter told me last night that her favorite comedian, John Mulaney, had relapsed after 15 years of sobriety and had entered a rehabilitation program, I thought, he is not alone. The disruption of life caused by the COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked havoc on those with substance abuse disorders or mental health issues. Anyone who, has, who was already struggling with these challenges before the pandemic was catapulted into a perfect storm of increased stress, social isolation, and reduced access to care and support. Though relapse is often a part of recovery, 2020 has seen an uptick in both substance misuse relapses and mental health disorder. How has all this impacted teens in Belmont? When the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, YRBS, was last administered in Belmont in March of 2019, over 25% of teens reported drinking, vaping, and or using marijuana. We do not have the data since the start of the pandemic, but it's fair to say that the stress, stress levels on young people in Belmont have not abated. 2020 saw new fears of a potentially life-threatening illness, disruption of the school year, cancellation of long-awaited traditional celebrations like graduations and birthday parties, and a lack of job opportunities and curtailment of college experiences. How could they not be affected? In such an environment, some young people may turn to inappropriate substances to cope. Some may gain access to substances such as alcohol via older siblings, older friends, or at home. In many instances, students reported their parents do not even know that they're drinking, neither how frequently nor how much. What's wrong with coping this way? The danger is that due to their developing brains, when teens drink, they tend to drink too much. This puts them at risk for alcohol poisoning, car crashes, injuries, violence, and or unprotected slash unwanted sex. As parents, we may feel helpless on how to impact this. However, there are concrete things parents can do to reduce substance misuse among their kids. Talk to you with your kids about the impact of substance misuse. Set your expectations in a clear and concise way. Listen to your kids. Reach out to their friends' parents. If there's a gathering at a house, hopefully COVID safe, text the parents ahead of the event. Ask if they will be home and monitoring the event. Wait up at curfew time. Do not relax your family rules during the holidays. It can be difficult to return to previous expectations. Remember, every year that a teen does not use alcohol, the odds of lifelong dependence decrease by 15%. 2020 has been an incredibly stressful year for adults, for kids, for all of us. And if we work together, we can ensure that our kids stay healthy and safe. And now over to Thomas. Thank you, Max. We the People, All In for Ruth Wakefield by Michael Ciccolesi. 
One of my favorite Christmas childhood memories was of my mother baking chocolate chip cookies. Somehow, among the panettone, cucidati, and pignoli, chocolate chips were Santa's favorite. One of my uncles worked in a Nestle factory in New Jersey, and there were no shortages of Nestle's quick or bittersweet morsels in December. I can still remember my cousins singing the Nestle's jingle as my mother and aunts gathered to bake in one of their kitchens. While the women were surrendering to their baking assignments and donning aprons, the kids were dreaming of what scent would bring them while sneaking a handful of chocolate morsels from a large glass mixing bowl in the middle of the table. Younger cousins were prohibited from any such attempts since in the past, some had only withdrawn candied fruit chips in their haste to avoid discovery. As my cousins and I were dreaming about chocolate chip cookies and Santa's gifts back then, little did we know that years later, I would live just miles away from where the chocolate chip cookie was born. While returning from an overseas vacation in the 1930s, Mrs. Ruth Wakefield began pondering a variation of a recipe she had been perfecting from a well-liked dessert. A thin butterscotch nut cookie, which she served with ice cream at an inn, the Toll House Inn, she and her husband ran. People loved that dessert, but she wanted to give them something new and different. In the end, she simply smashed a Nestle's semi-sweet chocolate bar and sprinkled it along with the nuts into the pale butterscotch brown sugar mixture. Surprisingly, rather than melt, the chocolate remained in small solid portions. In 1939, Nestle bought the rights of Wakefield's Toll House cookie recipe and hired her to review other company recipes to also place on its packages. Nestle then announced Toll House real semi-sweet chocolate morsels, which became better known as chocolate chips. When World War II erupted, the Toll House cookie gained worldwide acclaim as soldiers from New England shared their packages with fellow soldiers, sailors, and airmen. After much consideration, the Wakefields retired in 1967, sold the inn, and moved to Duxbury. But it wasn't until after her death in 1977 that a court ruling in 1983 declared that Nestle did not have exclusive rights to the Toll House trademark. Ironically, the following year, 1984, the inn burned to the ground, leaving only a historical marker to document its presence and Ruth's importance. Never short on imitation, Ruth Wakefield's Toll House cookie has withstood decades of failed attempts to improvement, improve it. Chipper's rule, especially at Christmas time and during a pandemic. I can still hear my oldest cousin, now 85, chanting for a chocolate chip cookie, although today he prefers to wash it down with something a little stronger than milk. And now back to Claire. Thank you, Thomas. Belmont High Marching Band Boosts Spirit by Sonia Chen. Student musicians gathered at a distance on the Belmont High School football field recently for the first time in nearly a year. They began to warm up all at once. Woodwind, string, percussion, and brass sections clashing in a cacophony of notes and melodies. It was music to BHS marching band director Allison Lacasse's ears. 
It took everyone's stress Omida and brought it down, Lacoste said. It was one of the first days this school year when my job felt like my job. The marching marauders gathered for three in-person practices in November after a long hiatus. The COVID-19 pandemic has not silenced the band, which is ready to bring live music back to Belmont with revised health protocols and a new approach to performances. The marching band typically convenes before school starts for a week of band camp, practices together through November and performs at the varsity football games, then gets back together in March to prepare for the town's Memorial Day parade. When the state shut down schools last March due to the pandemic, the Marauders season abruptly ended with no clear path to a reunion. It was jarring at first, said Anya Epstein, a BHS junior and one of the band's drumline captains. It was a long waiting process. At the beginning of the school year, band camp returned in a virtual format. It was shorter than in normal years, a few hour long meetings as opposed to five days of marching, but students were thrilled to gather remotely as a band. Marching band is such a family and it was just so comforting to see them all together again, Epstein said. The Department of Elementary and Secondary Education released guidelines for performing arts in mid-autumn, including that students must stand at least 10 feet apart and face the same direction while playing to reduce aerosol spread. Hand sanitizer, disinfectant spray, and paper towels have become standard equipment for the marching marauders. Brass players now empty their condensation valves or spit valves as Lacasse affectionately termed them onto absorbent puppy pads instead of the stadium turf. Everything has a few steps added on than what they're used to and the students are doing fabulously, Lacasse said. They're very aware of keeping each other safe and it's on the forefront of everyone's mind. I'm really proud of them. The marching marauders will break from practices until March when they hope to prepare for Belmont's Memorial Day Parade. I'm ready to do it, said Epstein, who is undaunted by the band's reduced practice time this season. In just nine hours, we had a full-fledged, fully played out show and it sounded amazing. The Marauders aren't just planning to play typical field performances on this year. Lacasse said she hopes the band can find local events to perform at this in the springtime to uplift the community with music. Now, here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Salvation Army says Christmas red kettle donations down by half. The combination of a nor'easter and pandemic has severely cut into the Salvation Army's $2.5 million goal by Neil McNamara. The Salvation Army is ringing an alarm bell this week because donations to the nonprofit's red kettles are down to half due to last week's nor'easter and the pandemic. The Salvation Army is trying to raise $2.5 million in the Worcester area by next week. This year's Red Kettle campaign began two months early with the nonprofit anticipating a higher need in 2020 due to the coronavirus uh, economic downturn. Quote, COVID-19 has not only created a much bigger demand for the Salvation Army to meet, 
but has also decreased the number of traditional red kettles on street corners and at store entrances, the nonprofit said in a statement. Nationwide, the Salvation Army anticipates as much as a 50% decrease in funds raised. The nonprofit has relied on the Red Kettle campaign as a main fundraiser for about 130 years. Volunteers ringing Christmas bells typically stand on street corners and outside retail stores. But retail foot traffic has been down this holiday season due to pandemic restrictions and store closings. The Salvation Army is asking for donations online to make up for the reduced kettle collections. And now back to Thomas. Thank you, Max. The Belmont Wellness Coalition is holding a parenting group via Zoom. Attendees will be able to talk with other Belmont parents about parenting teens and tweens for mutual support and learning. Topics will include mental health awareness, screen time and social media, relationships and dating, talking about substance abuse, and teen stress from academics, peers, and so on. The meeting is from 6 to 7 p.m. on the second Tuesday of every month. For more information, you can email Sophia underscore Suarez Friedman at waysideyouth.org. And once more, back to Claire. Process begins to recall school committee chair by Joanna K. Juvelis. Many Belmont parents are frustrated with how the school committee and administration have handled the issue of getting students and teachers back into the buildings for in-person learning since the summer. In response, Jacob Scott, a parent of a four-year-old and a six-year-old has started the process for a petition to recall and remove school committee chair Andrea Prestwich and possibly other members of the school committee and other persons who hold an elected townwide office in Belmont. On November 22nd, Scott posted the form to collect signatures on the time, quote, time to put kids first in Belmont Facebook page. This form collects the information necessary to see if enough residents will sign a petition and gather the required number of signatures. 200 signatures are required to start the recall and removal process. Approximately 3,500 signatures are required within 30 days after the process begins to recall and remove any official, according to Scott. The form also provides the opportunity to support the recall and removal of any others who hold an elected townwide office in the town of Belmont. It states, Quote, among other things, the school committee is responsible for remote-hybrid-in-person education models, ensuring adequate education for students in the Belmont public school system during the pandemic, and oversees the school administration. Superintendent Phelan is accountable to the school committee. The next school committee members up for election in 2021 are Tara Donna and Evelyn Gomez. Scott said his efforts have received significant support and participation from those who have provided information for the petition. Now, over to Bob. Thank you, Claire. We hope you enjoyed this week's Talking News. You can listen and watch Talking News on Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. 
on Channel 9 on Comcast and Channel 29 on Verizon. You can also listen to the Talking News anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on iTunes or at belmontmedia.org forward slash podcasts. Tune in next week. I'm Bob Fellman.